Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Hello there, Mr. Roberts. Well, hello, Miss Roberts. Actually, this is Dean and Paula Roberts, co-coaches of the RYR Endurance Team. Ready for another podcast. We are. How was your swim today? It was nice. I had the pool to myself. It was uh, It was nice. I was just out for a long, leisurely swim. And what I like to do when I'm doing a long, leisurely swim is just throw in a 100 tempo every quarter just to mix the pace up and keep my mind fresh. Otherwise, I think I would get really bored doing 3,000 yards nonstop slow. Way to put in the distance in the pool today. Well, thank you. Yeah, oh. I've been enjoying it. I wish the water was just a little bit warmer. I heard it was 76 last week. It was 78 one morning when I got in, but I heard it was 76 as well. Today it was 82, and it was okay, but I'm more of a warm water swimmer. I think 82 is fine after the first couple laps, just getting in. It's just getting in, yeah. So why is it when I run in... 22 degree Fahrenheit weather outside. It doesn't seem as cold to me as getting in 82 degree pool water. I think it has to do with water taking the heat away from the body. I heard something, I was reading something this week about uh, cold weather and wind chill. And the wind chill is really the impact that the wind has on removing heat from your body and that's why you get so much colder when it's windy i'm fine except for my face burr <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah for me it's more about the the fingers when i'm running and on the bike it's definitely the toes i don't know those fuzzy north face mittens you bought me are the bomb my fingers never get cold in those i'm glad to hear that i've got to take care of my babe that's right. I was excited. First 30 minutes of my long run this morning, Bethany joined us. It was her first run after competing last weekend. Yeah, she did great in the Evansville YMCA indoor triathlon. Yeah, that was fun. We went over and cheered on her and a couple of other competitors, and uh, they did great. Yeah, it was fun. I didn't understand how that scoring worked, though, did you? Well, I understand it now. Yeah, I do now. But I didn't understand it going in. That was me. I thought, well, great swimmers aren't going to gain much advantage over a great biker because I thought it was just, okay, we're going to swim 30 minutes, bike 30 minutes, run 30 minutes, and whoever has the maximum total distance is the winner, which if your strength is swimming, that doesn't give you much of a chance, but they weighted it, and so it was awesome. Yeah, so the 
they scored a total of one for each of the three segments of the race. So the fastest person, the fastest time, earned a score of one, and then everybody else got a percentage of that based on how close they were to that fastest time. So a perfect score would have been a three, but nobody got a perfect score. Right. So, for example, on the bike, if in the 30 minutes you the highest uh, distance was 10 miles, then the person going 10 miles would get one point. The person going nine miles would get 0.9 points. Right. So, And then you add up your points from the three phases of the event and see what the order turned out to be. Yep. And it was fun. All three athletes were smiling, had a great time, and I was just glad they had the opportunity to compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was some confusion on the spin bike, thinking that resistance did not have an impact on the distance on those particular spin bikes. But in hindsight, it looks like resistance and cadence worked together to determine the distance, which is the way it should be. Right. But the email was misleading, saying if you increased your resistance, you would probably decrease your total mileage. But that's not how those bikes work. But it was more for fun, anyhow. Yeah. So as coaches, we uh, thought we understood what was going on. Turned out that was not correct, but... As we're coaching people for next year's event, we will know how it works. That's right. Live and learn. Live and learn. So I saw an article this week that I wanted to share with you. It was in a uh, tech blog called Engadget, with an E. And they said that ASICs had sponsored a study to measure the mental health benefits of running. I thought that sounds interesting. The article says that Dr. Brendan Stubbs from King's College London did this test, and he concluded that people running at least 150 minutes per week had some significant mental health benefits, and that included an 18% increase in the ability to relax, a 28% drop in rash decision-making. I'm not sure how they test that, but 29% improvement in stress resilience, a 26% increase in speed of processing data. So if you're into solving Sudoku puzzles fast, <laughs> take up running. What kind of puzzles? Sudoku. <laughs> Did I say it right? I don't know. <laughs> and a 21% improvement in memory. Maybe I should run more and I would remember how to say Sudoku. Maybe. Maybe. Sudoku? Yes. So not only is, <laughs> not only is running fun and good exercise, good for the body, but it's good for your mental health, and you can be a better spouse, a better friend, a better employee, better coworker, just by taking care of yourself. So I just thought that was interesting. I wanted to share it with you. It's probably what makes me such an awesome grandma. <laughs> Could be, and why you're so good at skip bow too. Oh my goodness. I'm not even talking about skip bow today. I got spanked. <laughs> so now that we've talked about mental health and the Evansville YMCA triathlon, what are we going to cover in today's podcast topic? Like I kind of in my mind thought of the title, your day is not over, but kind of going beyond just kind of a, a title because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense is I was thinking we shouldn't let small moments in time determine our entire day. If something's going really, really well, 
in the moment. We need to be careful what we do with that. And if something goes really, really bad in the moment, we need to be really careful with how we handle that and how we move forward. Yeah. I know we've had our fair share of surprises in training and racing. This should be fun to talk about. Yeah. So when facing a race, especially on a long course like a marathon or a full distance triathlon, it's really important to keep everything in the moment and to keep it in perspective because each little moment of the race does not define the entire race. This applies to things when they're going really, really well, and it also applies when things go awry. Probably all of our listeners, and I know you and I, can think of a lot of times when things weren't going all that well in a race, and then how we react to those moments are critical in learning to properly execute on race day. So I thought maybe we could share some of the instances in which things were going not so well for us or things were going well for us and how we reacted. I can think of a few interesting surprises in races that that I've had. And I know I can think of a few professional athletes who had surprises that they had to deal with. This will be fun. Okay. So I thought I might start just kind of chronologically going through Ironman Louisville a little bit just because that's been my longest race day where there's plenty of opportunities for things to go wrong and then you just throw in the towel but I can just remember being extremely nervous about facing that distance and I was happy that they had changed the way the swim start was being organized because in the past you felt like you had to get to the transition area super super early like hours before the race started so that you could get in line at the swim start so that you don't spend 30, 40 minutes in line after the race starts just to get in the water. Yeah, I know when I did Ironman Louisville a few years before you did, we got to the transition area early to put the nutrition on the bike and put the watch on the bike and and then hustled down to the uh, swim start line. I, I remember actually jogging from transition to the swim start which was kind of crazy considering what was to come you know what 11 hour day that particular year but uh, it was really important to get there early so that you wouldn't be behind a lot of potentially slower swimmers right so the year i did it they changed it to where it was a self-seated start where you, based on your open water swimming and training, decided this is the pace I swim. This is about how much time I think it's going to take me to complete the swim. And then you can put yourself in the corral. And so they said they would have corrals for people who are going to swim it in this amount of time or people who are going to swim it in an hour or people who are going to swim in an hour five. So they had different corrals. And so... We were pretty relaxed. We went to transition and we walked down to the swim start area and it was chaos. I don't think the Louisville volunteers had thought about how they were going to organize that. So my administrative background piece of me wanted to go over there and just organize it all for them, which would not have been productive for me or for Ironman Louisville. (laughs) Yeah. 
So I just decided I wasn't going to let that ruin my day, and we set up chairs near the restroom. We made the best of it. Made the best of it. Didn't stress over it. And somehow, which I don't know if you remember this, where our chairs ended up sitting, suddenly there appeared the corral with our time on it. So it all worked out. So they came and found us. I mean, I don't think they meant to. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out. But it was nice. So, But I was, I was proud of myself for letting my type A self quit trying to control what I couldn't. And I decided that if we found the correct corral, it'd be okay. And if we didn't, it would be okay. So I was excited. Yeah, it worked out. That it worked out. You made it into the water. I did. I can still remember waiting in that line, though. It's uh, it's daunting thinking about that race before you start it. It is. Oh. Standing there in your wetsuit and bare feet on a cold, somewhat cool October morning in Louisville for you. Yes, and it's amazing how wet the ground is when nobody has yet been in the water. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say about that. You don't even want to know. That's all I'll say about that. So after I got in the water, my second setback in the moment was when I when I went to take a breath. It was a windy day. That chop went right into my mouth, and I just felt like I was strangling on water. So I could have just overreacted and swam to shore right then, but... I was trying my hardest to get some air into my lungs, and I heard Kelly, my training buddy, and actually we did Ironman Louisville together, the whole race together that year. I heard her say, Paula, and I looked over, and she had stopped and was kind of waiting a bit and saying, I'm right here, and smiling. It's just hard to imagine that she could keep up with where you were at in the water, because it's so so tough and everybody's got a wetsuit on everybody's got the same color cap on mm-hmm. typically and yeah it's just easy to lose people yeah have her mentioned how blessed i am to have such an awesome training partner <laughs> she's my partner in crime yep. a good friend yeah so the third thing that i could think of and again there were probably several instances in iron man little but the third thing that comes to mind is once you make the corner and you start coming downstream, you're no longer in that protected upstream area that's between shore and an island. I was expecting it to be smooth sailing because it was when I had gone and practiced in a training session. But the wind, I guess, was coming out of the west mm-hmm. and the current was flowing east to west so that dynamic of the wind hitting the downstream water was creating huge surface waves so it was very difficult to sight the water was extremely turbulent and i just decided to enjoy the unexpected and not worry about it so it made sighting really difficult and really uh, to me i think it lessened the benefit of a downstream current but Rather than fighting the conditions, I just prayed and relaxed and enjoyed the ocean-like conditions. <laughs> I remember in my first Ironman level swim in behind that island and the and the shore, or maybe just at the end of the island, I was a little bit too close 
towards the shore. It wasn't like I was, you know, touching the shore or anything, but I wasn't, I was right of center, let's say. And I remember, I believe my hand ended up touching ground under the water. Apparently there was a sandbar. <laughs> so I, I stood up and walked a little bit in that muddy water, caught my breath, <laughs> continued on. Just one of the many surprises. Yeah. Well, of course, those who are familiar with the Ohio River in Louisville and not a triathlete, you're probably thinking, why in the world would anybody get in that water? It's not known for its pristine cleanliness. No, it seemed like several years there was a threat that they wouldn't even have the swim because of the uh, you know, contaminants, pollutants or contaminants in the water, but they always had it when we were going right so fourth coming out of bike transition i remembered that i hadn't calibrated my power meter i'm not exactly sure why i felt the need to do that because i wasn't even doing a power meter based pace that day like you had instructed me to do things differently that weren't really based on paying attention but for whatever reason i wanted accurate power data for that race so well i think the reason for that on that particular day was because you and kelly were going to stay together and at that time you were a stronger cyclist than she was and so you were gonna keep an eye on where she was at not do any drafting either one of you but just kind of go by feel and save something for the run anyway i knew from training not to calibrate my power meter while the bike was in its easiest gear as it had always caused the chain to come off once i did this on a training ride and the back wheel gears had to be removed in order to dislodge the chain so my bike was out of commission for the rest of that ride that day but i didn't let it freak me out evidently i forgot all about it on race day and i lost my chain i immediately remembered that this move had ended my training ride so my first thought was well there goes my race i dismounted and began working on my chain kelly positive as always says take your time we have plenty of time i worked with a very wedged and stuck chain and began praying and it wedged loose popped the chain on and off we went i experienced something similar in my first ironman seems like a lot goes on in an ironman event I wasn't trying to calibrate my bike, but as soon as I mounted and started pedaling, the chain came off also. And I thought to myself, oh, this is not a good way to start the bike segment. But the chain easily went back on and I was able to continue on without any more trouble. But that made me very aware as I was riding to be careful when changing the uh, from the big chain ring to the small chain ring or vice versa. I wanted to make sure that the rear cassette, the chain was in the middle somewhere. And that, uh, anyway, that served me well. And with Louisville having all those hills, there was a lot of shifting going on. But I didn't have any more trouble after transition. Yeah, that's good. I can remember, too, on my bike portion of that race, I was doing a fairly decent incline near the end of the first lap of the LaGrange Loop. And lost my chain again and again i'm the bike was a little bit finicky and i wasn't paying attention to all the things you just mentioned but anyway 
Kelly and I dismounted our bikes, and about that time, a race support vehicle passed us and said, you need help? I was thinking, yes, but Kelly said, no, we're fine. (laughs) And I was hoping she was correct. As I was working to get the chain back on, a competitor zoomed by, and she yelled a profanity and said, get off the road. So rather than letting her oozing empathy and inappropriate road rage get the best of me, I looked at Kelly and we chuckled. Unfortunately, the chain was not wedged. It just popped right back on and off we went. And you probably passed that person on the run. (laughs) I I have no idea. (laughs) You had a good run. Thank you. So switching gears from Ironman, though, because, I mean, those are just several in-the-moment things that I could have just thrown in the towel or given up or been discouraged, but just stayed positive and... Felt like it was a strong race overall that day. Yeah. So you talked about the swim and the bike. Your run in Lowell, yours and Kelly's, was just awesome. And both of y'all smiled almost the whole way. No. I mean, it was so fun. We were very well trained. I can remember at around mile 18, we caught up to a group of runners, and we were chit-chatting with them a little bit. Or I should say Kelly was chit-chatting with them. And... One of them said, wait, what? Y'all are on the second lap and they're that fresh? So they they were on their first lap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, kind of felt bad for them that we were heading off to the finish line. <laughs> so with all those challenges, you ended up with a good race. Yep. It was fun. Didn't let it get you down. Yep. So the next moment in time I want to talk about was in the Cheat. It was called the Cheat Marathon in Salisbury, Massachusetts. And this was the first time I actually qualified for Boston. But I will say things were falling apart early, which this had never happened before, but my quads were cramping up super early, maybe at mile six or seven in the race. So I could have mentally thrown in the towel, but instead I know I passed you and asked you to pray. And uh, I passed Bethany and asked her to pray. And I think she was texting half of my running friends back home, asking them to pray. And I began to pray as well. And around mile eight, the quads miraculously loosened up and the race went really great. So I didn't let that one mile get me down mentally. I really feel like I had a miracle that day. I know that um, I had looked at you once saying, I just really feel the presence of the Lord. And later you told me that like at that very moment you had been praying that I would feel his presence. So Mm -hmm. it was amazing. It was pretty awesome. Anyway, don't, don't let a bad couple miles in a marathon define your entire race day. Yeah. So I think I've talked about the Gulf coast marathon before, but just a couple of things went wrong on that day, but I tried to stay focused and ended up with a good day. Um, it was last December and there was a headwind that was not ideal. Um, early in the race, I realized that the gels that were advertised were not going to be available on the course, but thankfully you and Bethany were around. So my nutrition plan was saved. You all went back to the hotel and got some gels. Otherwise it was likely I would have hit the wall at some point. And then in the second half of the race, my hip or glute area started aching and I just kept thinking about uh, when you broke your femur 
at the Monumental Marathon in Indianapolis. I was thinking, oh, Lord, don't let that happen to me. <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> you did that. But I just kept praying for myself and for others and just kept pressing on, stayed positive. And in the end, it was, uh, it was a great race. I was thrilled with the results. I was a minute off my target time, but I'll take that. You did great. So I thought of a couple of other examples when uh, things didn't go quite right and and people overcame. Take, for example, uh, Chris Froome, British cyclist from Team Sky at that time. In stage 12 of the Tour de France, he was wearing the leader's yellow jersey, climbing the fan-packed Mont Ventoux, if I said that right, when he and two other riders rammed into the back of a camera bike who had slowed down because of the crowd of fans. Froome's bike was unrideable, and it was going to be difficult for the team car to get to him to give him a new bike, so what do you do? He takes off running up the hill in his cycling shoes. Have you ever tried running you know, on cleats? It's not very easy. He could have just stood there and screamed at the motorbike driver or at the swarm of fans, but he stayed focused on the race, and he did what he had to do, and Eventually, he was able to get a bike, and he went on to win the tour. He's a pretty awesome cyclist. Yeah, pretty tough. <laughs> tough competitor. Yeah, yeah and he's had a, a few tough years since then. But uh, hopefully, he'll get back in shape and be a, a contender again. And then I remember, I don't know what year it was, but at least once, Lance Armstrong went off the road in a cycling event. It may have been the tour and rode his road bike through grass or through a field to avoid another rider who had crashed in front of him or he got ran off the road, whatever the case might be. But to be able to ride a road bike on grass, unknown grass, that's pretty amazing. But made it, got back on the road, and went on to do really well. thought of a couple other things. So in long races, things are going to come up. We do the best we can to prepare and test our race plans, but we have to be mentally able to adapt to the moments and make the best of each situation. Well, it's a good thing for that ASICS study. <laughs> you make good rash decisions. <laughs> yeah. So early in my triathlon career, I remember encountering a situation and working through it. You probably remember this. <laughs> I was wearing a swim skin in a sprint triathlon, just to make myself a little more slippery in the water. When I came out of the water, I pulled the swim skin down to my waist, and I proceeded to run up the hill, rush through transition, and get out on the bike. I later found out a couple miles into the bike that I forgot to take the swim skin the rest of the way off. So it's dangling down from my waist, and fortunately it didn't get caught in the chain. But I looked at the situation and decided it would there wasn't really a chance it was going to get down in the chain. That would have been really bad. So without stopping, I just kept on going, made it back to transition. I remembered to take it off before the run. And that ended up being one of my fastest sprint distance finishes, even with the extra drag from <laughs> uh, the swim skin blowing in the wind. And one more story. I, I just keep thinking of things. At uh, Ironman Texas, I had high expectations of Kona qualifying. I was in great shape. I was prepared for the course. I had been down there, got acclimated, 
to uh, the cores and to the heat, as is often in Ironman events. The bike course was crowded at times, which made it difficult to pass in the allotted time. So I was in the process of... <laughs> Cheating. So I, I was not cheating. cheating. I don't think you're cheating at Skip Bow when you win either, but I like saying the word cheating. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. So as I was approaching a large group of riders, I moved over to the left because I didn't want to gain any drafting benefits. And at one point, an official thought it took me too long to get around a large group. So I received my first and only so far drafting penalty. And having never had one before, I, I had to really think about what was next. I had to think about the instructions for that event. So I, I just pressed on, sticking to my race plan until I got to the next penalty area, waited my five minutes, and then took off again. And this five-minute setback, it didn't crush my spirits, and I just pressed on and placed high enough to earn a Kona spot. Yeah, that five-minute penalty may have been more stressful on your fans than it was on you, because I was doing the math at each point, <laughs> and each mile marker that I was meeting up to see you, and I was waiting and waiting and waiting he finally came by but you looked to be on pace so i was completely confused i don't think you told me until we got back to the room <laughs> that you I, had a penalty well i didn't really feel like having a conversation while i was competing <laughs> no that's okay <laughs> <laughs> your buddy steve was texting me too like where is he have you seen him yet no <laughs> It was all good. Yeah. So in endurance races, there will be several moments in time where things go wrong. We just want to make sure we deal with that moment and let it just be that single moment and don't let it dictate the race's outcome. On the flip side of that, though, what about when things are going awesome in the moment? Like in a single moment in time, in a race, things are going awesome. I really think how you execute in that circumstance, is critical as well. Yeah, it is. So I thought maybe I'd give some examples on that end of the spectrum, too, just to let people understand what I'm trying to talk about. I can think of an example as well. Would you like to no, go first? No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. So in my first marathon, which was in 2013, I mean, I couldn't have felt better. I was coming off my second marathon training cycle because my first training cycle had been the previous year for Chicago, but uh, things didn't work out for me to run that race. So I was coming off my second marathon training cycle and a nice taper. So in the first mile of my very first marathon with two training cycles under my belt, I could not believe how awesome I felt. And I thought I was going to shock the world. Shock the world. Especially my coach. <laughs> so because of that, I was cruising along probably a good 20 seconds per mile faster than I was prepared to do. And I didn't feel like telling you, slow down, Paula, slow down. <laughs> I held that pace for about 16 miles and then the IT band let me know I was not running the race. I trained a race. I had to walk quite a bit those last 10 miles. I still ended up finishing all right. It was 10 minutes slower than expected, but it was just poor execution 
on race day where in that first mile of the race, I should have just accepted the fact that it was mile one. I was tapered and I should be feeling great, but I should have stayed at the pace. I was prepared to run. Mm-hmm. So yeah. the, that's an example of making a bad decision in the moment that affected the entire race. So on the flip side of that, as a comparison, when I raced Ironman Louisville in 2017, I felt amazing coming off the bike and I felt like I could run way faster than my coach had advised after going through my training cycle. But this time I stuck with your plan and I felt strong throughout the marathon. I really think if I had gone with that amazing feeling at the beginning of the run and took off at the speed I wanted to run, I'm about 99.9% certain I would have once again crashed or gotten injured at some point during the run. Yeah, so giving you advice on what to do in your Ironman came from lessons learned from my first Ironman where I felt amazing early on in the run until I didn't. And that was a humbling experience to um, end up walking some of the run. But I learned my lesson and shared that with you and encourage our other athletes as well. Yeah. I really think some of our hard knock experiences is what help us coach our athletes. Yeah. And some research. Lots of research. So I, I shared some of the surprises that I encountered, not so pleasant things and how I overcame them later. In my first Boston appearance, I had one of those moments where just everything was going better than expected until it wasn't. <laughs> so Boston is such a special event because it's so tough to get into and there's so much history. I'm really looking forward to running that with you when Boston opens back up. When I started my first Boston, I was right behind the pro athletes. My Qualifying time was was pretty good, and I had no business being that close to the pro athletes, regardless of what my qualifying time was. But I took off at, at an effort that, that felt great, and as I looked at my watch, I was thrilled. I was going much faster than what my target was, and the first six miles of Boston are, are a gradual downhill. So I was having high expectations that this was going to be a huge personal best. I was going to shock the world. (laughs) (laughs) Just like I did. But then the road flattened out around Framingham, and I started feeling effects of going out too hard. So my pace started to slow, and my effort level increased. Because things were going so well in the beginning, I lost sight of the big picture, and it made for a difficult remaining 20 miles. But it was still a great experience and a teaching moment, and I I had fun. It was all right. Yeah, and we've talked about these moments, these setbacks in racing and these awesome moments in racing and how you just need to make good decisions in those moments. But to me, the same holds true in training because how we respond in training when things are going well and when they are not is also important. I agree. So when things are going well in a training block, it's easy to become complacent. I know we talked a little bit about this in a previous podcast. We forget all the important things, proper nutrition, sleep, core, flexibility, mobility, strength training. However, 
when things are going super in a training block, it's also easy to overtrain. Feeling awesome. You feeling awesome? I'm feeling awesome. All right. Well, add in more speed work. Increase the mileage too quickly. Win that segment on Zwift or Strava. Skip the recovery week. Well, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because if you go too hard, say on a four-hour bike ride, and it may be doable and feel awesome on that day, but that ride, and you might even get through that ride fine, overworking it, but that ride impacts future training sessions as well. So you just have to be really careful to make good decisions and stick with the plan. Or skipping nutrition on your long runner ride also impacts future workouts. Stick to the routine that makes sense. Slow building of mileage. Strategic incorporation of speed work. Giving your body time to recover and soak up the fitness. So you were talking about feeling good in a workout and overtraining or or pushing too hard. But the same could be true on a training day when you're not feeling so good. You You got a new ache or a pain. And you have to decide, well, am I going to push through it or do I need to uh, back off or stop the workout? It's, uh, it's important to listen to your body and think about the big picture, what your goals are, and then hopefully make the right decision on continuing or not continuing, hopefully so that you don't end up with an injury. Right. And, you know, when things aren't going well in training, I mean, this happens. I don't know about you, but I'll go out thinking one thing in a training session and my body's reacting completely differently than expected. To me, it's just easy to get frustrated or want to throw in the towel. And I can remember specifically last year training, there was one morning, it was those seven minute interval sessions and I had a a pace in mind. It was a nice lactate threshold workout and I was ready to get out there and get it done and on that first seven minutes, I just knew it was not going to be my day. So I just had to, I, I still did the workout, but I just had to adjust my expectation. I went completely by effort and it was still a hard workout, but I just made the best of what my body gave me that day. So, and of course, the, the biggest setback I can think of in training is when you were riding with me that morning. I was training for Ironman Louisville and you and I both hit the same deer. I wonder how many of our listeners have ran into a deer on a bike. I don't know, but I would not I would not <laughs> recommend it. I would recommend avoiding the deer encounters on a bike. It's a good idea. I would recommend if you see a deer, slow down and clip out. <laughs> deer are not the smartest creatures. We'll leave it at that. Yeah. I saw you wreck. I didn't know why. It was really dark. It was dark, but I think you had seen the deer. I did. I saw the deer off to the left, and oh, what a cute deer. Yeah, but you were just a, I mean, my front wheel was probably even with your back wheel. We were kind of riding side by side, but you were just a little bit ahead of me. So you were actually between my line of sight and the deer. So I didn't see the deer cutely standing on the side of the road. But I certainly didn't see the deer dart out into the road. I saw you wreck, and I'm turning my head to see. And, I mean, it was instantaneous. I pretty much, I hit the deer too. But I can remember when I 
hit the deer. My bike went airborne, and I'm up in the air. And as I'm in the air, and I know this had to be a split second, but I can think of my, I know what my dying moment thought was going to be that day. What was that? Are you ready? I'm ready. I mean, it's very deep. You were thinking about me? Yes, <laughs> I was thinking. You were thinking about our kids? <laughs> you would think. Or you were thinking about our future grandchild? I'll, you would think. <laughs> no, I was thinking, well, there goes Iron Man Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> well, my thought in the moment as I was somersaulting over the deer, because I, I flew over the deer, was I was going to break my neck and be paralyzed. Oh. And that was, it's just weird how quickly it you could react to a situation or a thought pops in your head. But when I landed, landed on my rear end, I had a hard time moving um, because my pelvis was fractured. But I wasn't paralyzed. Hey, you got to look at the positive side in every situation. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, I'm glad neither of those were our last thoughts. So even, even though it's something we would have wanted to avoid altogether, God was with us through that. He protected us. Thankfully, we had two people who were riding with us that day they had dropped back a little bit so when they came around the curve they were slightly confused as to why we were why our headlights were pointing in the wrong direction (laughs) while we were lying in street (laughs) which is a whole nother story but i mean thankfully they were there because they were able to use their headlights to ward off traffic that was coming around that corner otherwise i'm pretty sure you would have been run over that day I was trying the best I could to crawl off the road, but it was painful. Yeah. So, as it turned out for me, it wasn't the end of Iron Man Louisville. It was a moment that could have ended it, and it's an excuse I could have used to walk away from the training cycle. But when all was said and done, I had a concussion and a few scrapes and bruises. But after you were released from the hospital, I took my bike to be repaired and... Got back on it. Got back on the horse, as they say. I could have let that wreck in my training, but I did not let that one-week setback define the entire 20-week training block. I think the race was probably still, what, five weeks away? It wasn't very far away. That sounds right. Yeah. I recovered physically quicker than I recovered mentally. I know after that, when I would be riding, if a butterfly flew into my sight, it would startle me because I was just thinking, oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> no, you're so funny. <laughs> I know a lot more people have had accidents encountering dogs on the road, but this accident just made me just more aware that any animal can be a hazard when you're on those tiny two wheels. <laughs> I hit a skunk once. Yes, you did. <laughs> I came home smelling dandy. And for whatever reason, I didn't hit the skunk. Yeah, you just went right past him, and then he scurried out. Yeah, I actually saw your wheel go over the skunk. Yeah. Your wheel went just <laughs> just right where the tail connects to the rear end. You just hit that tail and just... I wonder if that skunk still has a tail. That poor skunk. I didn't kill it. It kept going. We didn't kill the deer either. It kept going. But the skunk did manage to spray. Whew. I was doing some research on how to alleviate that smell. So as I was recovering from the deer accident from my fractured pelvis, looking on the positive side, I like to look on the positive side, 
I took some much needed time to let my Achilles heal. It had been causing issues on and off for a long time and and so it's it was much better and thankful to the Lord that I haven't had any trouble with the Achilles since. You let your Achilles heal heal? Exactly. <laughs> I know when I first started my Ironman Louisville training block I had a pulled hamstring and you set up my training where at least four weeks, maybe five, all of my running sessions were pull running and I didn't I didn't really worry about it. Like I wasn't concentrating on what I couldn't do. I was really concentrating on building fitness through my swim blocks and through my cycling blocks and was still able to build fitness and recover from that injury. Yeah. It reminds me of a Facebook post I saw this week. Someone posted a picture of their arm in a sling and was just saying how they weren't going to be able to do their event. And I just felt like it was important to post, you know, sorry about what happened to you, but, you know, take this opportunity to focus on strength and conditioning and flexibility and whatever cardio you can. Just, you know, work with the situation you have. Don't let this event define you. Move on. Yeah. I mean, the bottom line is, if you look over the span of an entire year, every athlete is going to have one best day, and every athlete's going to have one worst day. I mean, if you're really talking best and worst, there's going to be one of each of those days. Everything else just falls somewhere in between, and we just need to take what our training day gives us, and we need to take what every moment gives us in our race. Yeah. There are going to be good days and bad, but learn every day. Yeah, and I think that's true, too. Like, just life in general. Like, I know most people who know us just think every moment of every day is marital bliss. And, you know, in general, it is. But there's good moments and great moments. And we may spat now and then, but we don't let those down moments define who we are. Yeah. I would say our relationship is more important than one moment or another moment. Absolutely. So enjoy every experience and just be thankful for your your past and look forward to your future. Yep. And with each of our podcasts, we like to either begin or end with a Bible verse. So you have one for today? Yeah, I've got a Bible verse. And actually, one of our athletes, Dan, sent this to us this week. And it's, well, all scripture is, is awesome, but this one is Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Yeah, that's a great scripture, and I think it's kind of relevant to our topic today, is that we just let the discernment of the Holy Spirit guide us and trust Him in all of our moments, good moments, best moments. Worst moments and everything in between. Everything in between. If you'd like to join us in the conversation, or if you have suggestions for future podcast topics, if there's anything specific that you would like to pick our brains about, we'd love to know what those are. You can look us up on Facebook. We have a closed group that will let you in and just look for RYR Endurance Team and... Catch us online. At RYR Endurance Team, 
We specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe to our podcast. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.